0: This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. My guest first appeared on Sports Jam in 2014. He's had a remarkable career as a producer, director, and sports network executive, and now has his own production company. He's created some of the best documentaries and programming in sports history, and his latest work is no exception. Extra Innings from 9-11, 20 years later. The producer and director of this upcoming feature-length documentary, Premiering on HBO Max, Saturday, September 11th from Turner Sports, Ross Greenberg is here. Ross, great to see you again. Nice to see you, Doug. Ross Greenberg was the president of HBO Sports from 2000 to 2011. He was the executive producer for HBO Sports in 1985. and During his tenure, he won more than 50 Sports Emmy Awards. You can see a few of them behind him as he joins us. From his home today on Sports Jam, also eight Peabody Awards. And after 33 years of developing and producing documentaries, reality programming, magazine shows, and talk shows, he wanted a former production company that would stand for the same quality of programming that branded HBO Sports. The result, Ross Greenberg Productions in Rye, New York. Ross, at this point in your stellar career, you can pick and choose what you want to work on. So why did you want to help tell the emotional, remarkable, and powerful story of how baseball helped aid both New York and the nation's recovery in the weeks and months following the terrorist attack in 2001?
1: Well, I got a call from Sandy Montag, who's a dear friend, and I've worked on quite a few projects with Sandy over the years. Uh, And many of the broadcasters that he used to represent used to come in and out of my office at HBO but Sandy called, and he had sold basically a documentary like this uh, to Craig Barry and to Jeff Zucker and and um, at Turner, and he was asking me if I would be able to produce and direct it uh, for delivery. And you know, over the years, Sandy and I have collaborated on some memorable films, Perfect in '76 for Showtime and and others and decided that this would be a project I would love to do. I had a personal connection to it uh, because of my circumstance and the fact I was a Yankee fan and and that on 9-9, two days before 9-11, my mom had passed away and I was in Texas and had to take a Greyhound bus back to New York in order to be reunited with my family. And a month and a half later, found myself at Yankee Stadium for game three. So I was witness to George Bush taking the mound. And I was very emotional about the story um, personally. Then after that game, I walked into the office the next morning when I was running HBO Sports and commissioned Joe Levine, one of my producers and the executive producer Rick Bernstein at the time, to my office for the specific reason that I lived a documentary the night before. This is not about baseball anymore. This is much bigger than that. And I decided then that it was a documentary. We made a documentary at HBO uh, called Nine Innings from Ground Zero. So I called Joe Levine once Sandy Montag called me and said, hey, would you like to 20 years later, you know, fill in all the blanks and, and relive the story and pick up the story? Uh, from certain people that we had in the film, uh, but also find new ones, you know, and, and search and and look for new stories that came out of that episode in American history. So we did that. And um, thank you to Sandy. Thank you for you know calling me, and thanks for Craig Berry and Jeff Zucker and everyone at Turner for having the wherewithal. Lenny Daniels as well to have the wherewithal to to do this documentary on the 20th anniversary. And I think we put together something really special. Clearly
2: something devastating happening this morning at the World Trade Center. We're trying to process what actually happened. To be here, it's, it's hard to believe. It's a bad dreams. Baseball just happened to be the right vehicle at the right time to help us cope. Come run! Right! Piazza! I feel honored that we gave the people something to feel good about. It was like we could live again. Ball game over! Yankees win! The Yankees win! Our job was to distract people from the horrors and the sadness. You showed what being New Yorkers is all about, and we
0: gave it to them. Indeed you have. And you've said storytelling is your passion and television is the medium you use to deliver your art form. It's right on your website there for Ross Greenberg Productions. You have an amazing ability to not only tell stories, but to weave them together, much like a creator of a show. So, you know, you can follow somebody's story and then pick it back up a little bit later. And it even has more significance. Where did you learn that talent?
1: I guess through the years of doing so many documentaries and and actually films, you know, I got into filmmaking with uh, 61 and Miracle. And I guess, um, you know, you don't do it alone though. It's not just me, it's Matt O'Connor, the editor and Joe Levine, who I've already mentioned is a co-producer director. And you put a team together, you know it's much like a manager in baseball. Uh, you find the best at their individual craft, You. Sit them down, and you do have to plot out the storyline you're looking for. Uh, you have to find the stories. Um, Brielle Saracini is a perfect example of all of that we've been discussing. You know, we found her eleven years old. Her dad was one of the pilots of the plane that went into one of the towers, and we found her back in 2004 when we did the initial project. She was eleven years old. So, you know, in talking to Joe we knew the rest of her story because I stayed in touch with her throughout the last 15 years and watched her grow as a woman and a married woman and someone who worked at the yes network had battled and beat cancer had met the love of her life, Sean, whose father also tragically was killed in nine 11. They bonded at a summer camp. I mean, if you can't recognize that is an unbelievable love story, that narrows in not only on the love of baseball, because he was a Met fan, by the way, Sean, but it also captures everything we were looking for as a subplot in this huge story that we had in front of us on baseball, giving people some normalcy after 9-11, and hope, giving people hope after 9-11. One of the magical things about this documentary is, you know, it's sad to think about 9-11, but yet we picked people that would show you that you're, you know, the human spirit is such that it can bounce back. That's what storytelling's all about. You know, my motto was always make them laugh, make them cry and make them think. And, you know, the staff that worked for me then and at HBO and now probably get sick of me saying it, but you know, if you can get some emotion out of people, then you've done your job and you just have to recognize the storytelling to, to bring that out, that human emotion.
2: My dad was a trader for Eurobrokers in the South Tower. He just loved everything about being a dad. He'd look at my mom and be like, I want best dad ever on my gravestone. <laughs> it became a running joke, but he lived up to it at the same time. My dad loved the Mets so much that he persuaded my mom to name my youngest sister Shay after Shea Stadium. It took us a while to find my dad after 9-11. When we actually found him, he opened the wallet. One of the few things that was in it was a Cleon Jones uh, Mets card from 1969, which was pretty unbelievable. And my dad would leave for work usually at 5 or 6 a.m., so he'd leave me notes about how the Mets did the night before. That morning, though, he actually called to talk about the Mets. It was cool because I did get to talk to him that day before, um, Obviously, everything happened, and I got to tell him, "I love you one last time.
0: I watched this documentary last night, and uh, throughout became you know teary eyed and got very choked up after it was all over, especially with that story that you talk about with the uh, the two that were twelve when they saw each other for the first time at Camp Better Days and now are married and that Yankee Mets, uh, you know, kind of feeling throughout this whole documentary Uh, in honor of that, two of the people that you feature are behind me here, Bernie Williams of the Yankees and Mike Piazza of the Mets, about 20 different individuals with firsthand accounts of nine 11. I like how you talked about staying in touch with her because staying in touch is kind of a part of this film as well, because Bobby Valentine has an amazing story of how he stayed in touch and almost was a second dad to one of the uh, youngsters at the time of 9-11, whose father passed away. That was a powerful story, Ross.
1: I know. And that Joe Levine found that story. Uh, Bobby really told us in a Zoom about that story uh, and that kid. And, you know, he was a kid then. He's now a grown man. But the point is that you know, that's what you need to draw on when you have a Zoom with your production staff. And Bobby and Joe Torrey were co-executive producers on this film. Uh, you're able to draw on that and kind of find something and go, oh, boy, we better call that person. Uh, that's a story we need to tell. Um, we were able to capture that in a very short, brief essay uh, told from you know his perspective and how Bobby did enter his life right after 9-11 is a nice gesture from the Mets, but stay with him, you know, took him to Japan even when he was managing over there. So, um, yeah, that was one of many that we weave into this, you know, 75 minutes in order to kind of bring home how important these touch points were to all these people. It was either a touch point of, you know, hitting that home run in the 10th, Uh, Or this story with Bobby, Uh, there were just so many little stories that that showed that that baseball was able to lift people back up from such a dark place, Uh, even those that had lost loved ones um, could find something, you know, to just give them a smile, uh, put a smile back on their face. Carol Geese tells that story about, you know, when Piazza hit that home run. Uh, she hadn't seen her boys smile for 10 days and bang
2: I just remember praying to myself just saying relax relax Lopez wants it away
1: and it's a deep to left center Andrew Jones on the run this one has a chance Cobra Mike Piazza and the Mets lead 3-2 it
2: was just like a coming off a bottle of champagne. You know, it's just like the energy just it exploded.
1: And all of a sudden, you know, people were able to get back to that normalcy of screaming at a baseball game. Uh, you know, that's just the way it was. And I think, you know, there are a lot of 20-year-olds that have no idea uh, what 9-11 was like or what that moment in time was like in New York or around the country and how devastating it was for this country to be invaded like that in a terrorist attack. And, uh, and I think we brought it home and we kind of put them in a time capsule so they can understand. And I think what's ironic or almost scary is that right now we're living through the same kind of time, a lot of darkness, a lot of hurting out there, a lot of victims a lot of families of victims and, you know, sports has always had a way to bring people back to a sense of normalcy. Um, The challenge right now is how do you get back to the stadium the way we did back at nine 11? You know, we were, my wife was worried. Michelle was worried that I was, you know, there was a bomb that was going to hit game three at Yankee stadium when I went to that game. Um, But, you know, the fact is today, people just aren't so quick to go to a stadium. Um, And if they do, it doesn't feel as, uh, it doesn't feel like you pull the cork out of that champagne bottle yet. Um, Michael Kay in the documentary discusses that as a broadcaster. Uh, You know, it would, you know, in those days, you didn't have that pandemic sitting over your head that, oh my God, if I do go to the stadium, I could get sick. You know, so people weren't, they were afraid to go to a stadium because of the threat, but that wore off fairly quickly. Um, Today, maybe not so quickly. I don't know. But my whole point is there's going to be some sporting event in the next, you know, months ahead or year ahead that's going to signify we can get through this, we're back, you know? I don't know what sporting event it is. I don't know where it is, but something's going to signify that we're back.
0: You I talk mean, about Yankees broadcaster, Michael Kay, how he said, you know, the first time the Yankees were playing after he did not say, you know, see ya, for the home run because he didn't want to get overly excited. And it reminded me of uh, our announcer on WBGO and I, Gary Walker, we were on the air that day from six in the morning until 8 p.m. at night and once we've got out of the studio we stepped out of our building in Newark and could see the skyline and realized this had really happened I talked to Peter Jennings about it at the time the late Peter Jennings of ABC he had the same feeling once you're doing that you're telling people about things to try to save their lives and you're in the heat of it (laughs) You don't even realize the magnitude of what you're even talking about. And so it hit us, you know, very hard. But hearing Michael talk about that, I asked some people later, when can we go back to fundraising on the air? And when can we go back to to music? And people quickly told us right away, because we need you back. We need that sense of normalcy back. And that's what fans told Michael K too. So when they returned to uh, the stadium, you heard three yeses uh, during mm-hmm. uh, during Michael K's call of, you know, CSC uh, uh, as he as he talked about. One of the other uh, wonderful players that's now a broadcaster as well is Al Leiter. Al Leiter not only uh, pitched for both the Mets and was with the Mets at the time and has pitched for the Yankees and as a Yankees broadcaster. He also was a star pitcher at Central Regional High School in Ocean County, New Jersey. Many fans know him well. A lot of people forget the Mets were going to play a game in Pittsburgh that night and now had a unique story. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. I mean, he was supposed to pitch that night and he was taking his daughter to school that morning because uh, she was a little nervous about it. Uh, And he knew he had to pitch that night. So the plan was he was going to take a plane from LaGuardia to Pittsburgh when they leave every hour. So he wasn't nervous about getting there. And he was actually on that plane when he got the call from the pilot that you know, the first plane had hit. At the time they even said a helicopter or something. But um, suddenly they're still taxiing and the second plane hit and they called him back to the gate and he was unable to get there. So uh, he got off the plane um, and he frantically, you know, in those kinds of situations, you're not thinking straight. He said to himself, well, I better get to Philadelphia in order to catch a flight to Pittsburgh from there.
2: Go up to the cab stand, get in the cab, and I said, "I, I got to get to Philadelphia. I got, I, I got to get on a plane. Can you drive me to Philadelphia?" And the lady was like, "Yes, I will." She was upset. We're upset. Turn the radio on. And as I'm going down Grand Central, up on the Triborough, looking to the left, I can see the towers burning. And I didn't know what to do because now my family's in the city. New York City shut down,
1: and I, c- I couldn't get back in. Suddenly he felt trapped and and he called Michael K and he went up to his house and actually spent the day with Michael K, uh, you know, just brooding over what had happened and in shock. Um, So that was a very personal story for him. And everyone had their own little personal story to tell. And everyone knows where they were when that moment happened. So, um, you know, and then Al helped us get through, you know, the Piazza game and everything else as we told the story in the documentary. Um, but go get a shot, Al, you know, get immunized. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only thing now, you know, I didn't know that he wasn't immunized when he did the interview. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't want people watching the documentary and and questioning that about him because uh, he's a good man. And he just, you know, has to make the right decision now.
0: <laughs> We're speaking with Ross Greenberg, the producer and director of Extra Innings from 9-11, 20 years later from Turner Sports. It premieres on HBO Max on Saturday, September 11th. The magic of Ross Greenberg is how you weave these stories. But the 9-11 memorial is the centerpiece of this documentary. For those who haven't seen it, when I mean seen it, I mean the memorial memorial. It's located at the site of the former World Trade Center complex and occupies approximately half of the 16-acre site. And the memorial's twin reflecting pools are each nearly an acre in size and nearly 3,000 names of the men, women, and children killed in the attacks on September 11, 2001 and February 26, 1993 are inscribed on those bronze parapets surrounding the twin memorial pools. Seeing the family members there touching their names, Seeing Bobby Valentine and Joe Torrey, the managers of the Mets and Yankees, respectively, touching those uh, names and, and being there. It was so emotional. But you kept, The thing about this was you could enjoy the baseball aspect and, and how the World Series and everything and how the season played out, but you always brought us back to what's most important. And that's a challenge. And you had to do this tastefully, and you succeeded, Ross. Congrats.
1: Yeah, well, the tastefully word was a a tough word to try to measure up to. Um, You don't want to be exploitive. You don't want to, you want to give it a reality. You know, one of the takeaways and the emotion Joe and I felt strongly about giving to this documentary was the sense of hope, the sense that you know, even those that lost loved ones and had this horrible event happen, even early in their life, um, were able to grab onto baseball, you know, and somehow get through it. Uh, Baseball was one of many things that they grabbed onto, but our focus was that it's incredible that the events of Piazza and then you know, games three, four and five of the World Series and obviously even the earlier games uh, on the playoff run of the Yankees were such that you could assemble at Yankee Stadium or Chase Stadium and feel a connection to something that was going to get you through it. Get through it and have hope that you can smile again, that you can cheer again, that you can live again. And uh, we kept wanting to get back to those individual stories in order to tell that. And so, you know, I, I, I haven't watched a lot of 9-11 documentaries, to be honest with you, because it's so painful, um, right? And, uh, and that's, that's where I, I hope we became tasteful, you know?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you did that extremely well. This I'll never forget, Bernie Williams went up to this one woman he says, I don't know what to say, but you
2: look like you need a hug.
0: Certainly not trained in any, you know, psychology or psych- psychiatric, I don't know what to say. Uh, so what I said to that woman was, I don't know what to say, but I think you need a hug. And I, and I hugged her uh, and I felt, you know,
1: this energy, you know, this thing. And, and from that moment on, I knew that we had a place.
2: As baseball people, we had a job to do. You know, they need a distraction. They, they just need something else that that's
0: maybe going to help you know, start the healing. You mentioned connection, whether it be Bernie Williams hugging somebody who was, you know, at the, the memorial site, or whether it be John Franco, the the Mets reliever who was instrumental in Mm -hmm. helping out with with the recovery efforts and being there, Ground 11. He wanted to be a part of everything. You mentioned early on in this interview that your mom passed away before 9-11. Did you really ever get a chance to grieve? You had one of the most tragic events in the world happen right after the most personal tragic event in your life.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a tough grieving process um particularly right at the moment uh you know it took a while i was pretty shaken up that whole fall um and uh you know now when i think back on it i kind of separate the two more uh you know if she had died as a result of nine eleven, that may have been a different situation but uh you know she had a tough cancer and a tough battle. And it was six months, eight months of, you know, seeing her go. So yeah, it was rough. I'm not going to kid you taking a Greyhound bus back and being separated from my family, you know, was really tough uh, at that moment. But, you know, but I guess, you know, looking back now that I've talked about it, baseball brought me back too. In a lot of ways, that Yankee run brought me back to life in a lot of ways, um, you know, because it was a dark, dark period for me. Uh, those two events happening simultaneously were really tough. And uh, and that, you know, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but particularly games three, four and five. And as I said, I was there for three because um, I felt like Carol Geis that I had to go. You know, for some reason I had to go. It was like me pleading with myself to go to kind of grieve a little bit and get through and get to something that would bring me back to some normalcy. So, and then, you know, when Bush took the mound and I didn't vote for him by the way, but uh, now looking back that moment, what a hell of a president he was to to do what he did in that moment. I got to know him, too, uh, because I I went we did a screening at 61 there. Um, But, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, uh, I don't know if you ever. The other thing that Joe Levine and I were very uh, in tune to was we didn't want to give you the feeling that anyone ever gets over it completely. right? Right. So, you know, you lose someone in your family Um, particularly if it happened because of that event every day you think about that person. So that person never leaves, you know, your mind, just the way my mom and dad don't leave mine, but there's something tougher about, you know, the 20 years later aspect of this that you're reminded because it's the 20th anniversary and it's out there in the public. It's a very public death. And so I think at the end of the day, you know, we wanted to make sure people knew that all of these victims' families, they never will live a day where they're not thinking about their loved one or hurting because of 9-11, but, and it's a big but, they will live their life, right?
0: So true, and I, and I think also one of the the, the most poignant statements, is, and, and you basically summed it up there, is, Most people's reaction now is I can't believe it's been 20 years and people in this documentary say, yeah, it's been because I lived it every day since, you know, it's been a part of my life. Yeah. And thus, you know, you you get so emotional when you see these, these stories because they have, it's been 20 years, you know, some of these kids were little kids and some people who lost their spouses, you know, have gone on. What have they done with their lives since? And how's every day that, that, comes, a, that comes into mind? Speaking of coming into your mind, how, how often do you relive game three of the World Series since you were there?
1: Well, I have to be honest. I, I relive it a lot, but, you know, it seems like I bump into it a lot um, in the documentary world. But, you know, games four and five, or as vivid to me sitting in my living room Um, because I don't, you know, as Michael K points out in the documentary, it's almost unbelievable that those historic moments in baseball history happened during the recovery of 9-11. It just, if those home runs were hit by Tino and Derek and Brocious, if those home runs were hit On their own in a non-consequential year, they would still stand out as three of the greatest moments in Major League Baseball history. But they happened as Yankees a month and a half after 9-11. Bush had thrown out the pitch. It was obvious that, you know, you've never heard Yankee Stadium like that. And I never did, you know, from before to you know, till they shut the doors at the old Yankee Stadium. It was just this visceral, guttural, emotional, you know, 60,000 people or 56,000 people um, that really wanted to let it out. And uh, so I will never forget, you know, th- there's a theory that you never forget the senses of the moment of the, in, in your history books of your mind. And uh, and so I will never forget any of those uh, or the feeling sitting on that couch watching this Tino and Brocious hit those home runs. I you know, it just was surreal then. And it feels surreal now. And, you know, I saw I saw the movie now 25 times in rough cut form. Every time I get to those moments, I cry like a baby. It's crazy, but you just do. And You know, I will never get over those emotional moments, ever. And Piazza as well.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned that you're a Yankees fan. If you were ever wondering, as Derek Jeter goes into the Baseball Hall of Fame, if you were ever wondering what an impact the captain of the Yankees had on this sport and on this country and in New York City, just watch this documentary because you will see the kind of person that Derek Jeter is not only on the field, but more importantly, off the field. You'll see John Franco off the field. You'll see how these guys were indeed the fabric of New York City during one of its most difficult times, if not the most difficult time ever. Is there anything else that you would like to mention regarding the uh, the crew or those involved in this doc?
1: Well, there's an editor named Matt O'Connor who's just a genius. Uh, Eric Barchi is co-editor, but Matt's a genius and his work will be obvious to those that watch it. Uh, I can't say enough about Joe Levine, you know, produced and directed it with me. Um, We hired some of the best cameramen in the business, you know, to go to the memorial, as you said, uh, and to go one of these interviews. And Joe and Bobby gave their heart to this, uh, so I thank them. But most importantly, Sandy Montag for believing in us and knowing that we could pull it together. And you know, Lenny Daniels and Jeff Zucker and, and the great Craig Berry, who uh, was with us every step of the way. and Deaton Bell, his associate that uh, helped us through this project. They Everyone gave their energy to this project to make it as good as it could be. Um, and, uh, you know, the best work always comes when people collaborate and put the project above all else. You know, no egos involved, just make this film as good as it can be. Uh, and, uh, and that's what happened. You know, I'm thinking of Anthony Corcuzio who, who did such a nice job of collecting all the material, the archival material, wait till you see that. Um, it's just been a magical journey. Uh, in making it and we're happy that it's finally coming to be on 9-11 so so we can you know get the public to see it
0: (laughs) so one last question then your eyes ears and heart have been in this project but sometimes when you're in the heat of battles we talk about it in, in in your business will there be a time that you and your wife sit down to watch it together
1: oh yeah um she hasn't seen it yet uh so there's always that moment when uh when yeah she'll say hey let's watch your film you know and, and we sit there and and I'll be bawling, <laughs> you know just like I have every time I watch a rough cut but um yeah we'll put it on our bigger screen and we get HBO Max and you know my kids will see it um and uh it's special you know the only thing we don't have is normally you can have a nice screening where you get 200 people to watch it with you uh which is always a real nice moment when you make these movies but but um you know that day will come too i mean i screened nine innings from ground zero years after we made that at hbo you know because there will be an anniversary for this and someone will say hey we want now, I could see next year someone saying, Hey, let's get a screening together because there still will be some people that haven't seen it. Uh, and even if you've seen it, this is the kind of film that you want to see again. I think because you'll pick up some new stuff.
0: Yeah, there's a reason why those statuettes are behind Ross Greenberg. <laughs> and he has many more than that you can't see uh, in, the, yeah. in the screen right now. Extra innings from 9 11, 20 years later. As Ross said, premiering on HBO Max, Saturday, September 11th, from Turner Sports, another magical production from the master. Ross Greenberg, what an honor to have you again on Sports Jam.
1: Thanks, Doug. Thanks thanks very much for having me.
0: Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can check out all the shows by going to WBGO.org slash SportsJam or find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts and on iTunes. Special thanks going out to Joe Favorito and Warner Media for their help with the show. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.